Good Geist. A podcast series on sustainability. Hosted by Damla Özlüer and Steve Connor. Brought to you by the DNS Network. everyone you are listening to the good guys the message on sustainability which is brought to you by the dns network the global network of agencies dedicated to making the world a better place this is damla from mira agency istanbul and and this is steve from creative concern in manchester so this podcast series explores global sustainability issues how they're communicated and what creativity can do to make positive change happen And in this episode, we're going to talk about sustainability, the creative sector, fossil fuels, um, and with our brilliant guest, Duncan Meisel, who is Executive Director of Clean Creatives. Just a quick note on Clean Creatives. It's an alliance over 900 agencies who have made a commitment not to work with fossil fuel clients and also help to challenge and expose those who continue to support and promote polluting industries like oil and gas. Very exciting to have you with us, Duncan. We're massive fans. So, Damlet, over to you, John, to start us off. Welcome, Duncan. It's great to have you. First of all, it will be great if our listeners got to know you a bit better. Give us a quick introduction to you and your work. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, thank you both for inviting me on. This is such a great project. So, as you said, my name is Duncan. Um, I live in the United States, uh, in Texas, in Austin, Texas. And before Clean Creatives, my background was in working for on communications for uh, global climate and human rights NGOs. And um, you know, when you do that work for long enough, you know, you go around saying <clears throat> maybe we should have the Paris Climate Agreement. Maybe we should stop building pipelines that are destroying, that are wrecking um, people's uh, tribal rights and things like that. You find that every time you try to do something good, there's really effective and well-run PR and ad campaigns to say, maybe we should do something bad instead. (laughs) And what you find is that those campaigns work. Um, Greenwashing works. Um, Obstruction works. These um, PR and advertising campaigns are very effective at blunting the impact of the climate action we need, making it go slower, making it weaker, and generally standing in the way of solving this global emergency that we're all going through. So that's sort of the origin story for Clean Creatives was, you know, I've been doing communication work. Um, I knew it isn't like communication strategy is a vital part of solving the climate crisis, but a huge amount of energy and effort from the creative and communications industry was going towards making climate action harder or less effective. Brilliant, Duncan. So, so that's what you're leaping out of bed to do every morning, which is amazing. And really, um, one thing that's really lovely to to have you here to talk to is um, you've got so much in common with both with Damla and myself, and and all of the creatives in our agency network. Um, do not smile in that you're a communicator who's chosen a a career path where you use creativity for good. And and through the power of LinkedIn, Duncan, um, I think you even sort of studied this at college. So so, so what set you off down this path? You know, it's, it's it's a little hard to say. I mean, I always sort of think of the the most radicalizing experience of my life in terms of sending me on this path was just reading the newspaper in the morning mm. as a kid. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, I sort of got on this habit of just, you know, you sit down and you read the news. And 
Uh, I saw a great tweet the other day that was just, you know, waking up in the morning to read the newspaper is actually a very sane way to understand the world. <laughs> you know, it's not a constant like beeping in your pocket. It's not coming at you a million miles a minute. It's like actually a very reasonable way to approach uh, understanding the world. And I kind of miss it. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of got into thinking about world events from a young age. It was something that um, always was, I always found interesting. And um, you know, from there, I got involved in things like debate in high school um, and then got involved kind of in politics straight out of college. It was something that I knew I wanted to try. Um, I worked for a little bit for political campaigns. But, you know, again, just sort of in that process of paying attention to what are the things that matter most? What are the biggest thorniest challenges? Um, climate really is at the center of so many um, justice questions, if we want to address global racial uh, justice, DEI, all these things intersect with climate. And it seems like the thing that is most urgent that has a timeline associated with it. And if we didn't really fix this problem, it would be so much harder to solve everything else. So, you know, I, I just sort of started trying to find my way um, and uh, met some really great people and uh, found that I enjoyed the work. Uh, and then from there, have just sort of been trying to follow follow my nose, so to speak, in in pursuing projects that I think um, are compelling and and hold my interest because I I find that that's a pretty good measure of what's going to keep me motivated. Wonderful. Just a quick note: I'm not really sure that reading the news every morning is a sane way to stay sane. <laughs> Especially well, it's, it's just today. like the newspaper is like enough. <laughs> like it's not. It's not like sitting there and scrolling. It's like you flip through, you know, ten to you know twenty pages, and like you get a good sense of what the priorities are. It's like a, I don't know. I miss that. <laughs> oh yeah, we all do actually. So this also uh, reveals our ages, but never mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Clean Creative started in 2020, kicking back against greenwash and misinformation being spread by mainstream PR and advertising agencies. So could you tell us about what sparked the idea of and how it grew? Well, it actually has a lot to do with Austin, Texas. Um, so I was, you know, here in lockdown. Um, and during the 2020 election, there were a lot of ads being run by the American Petroleum Institute, which is the world's oldest and largest uh, pro-fossil fuel lobbying organization. And, uh, you know, I was sitting with my colleague, Jamie Hen, and we were trying to figure out how to make a useful contribution to the election with our new kind of campaigning organization, Fossil Free Media. And we thought, okay, let's figure out who made these ads by the American Petroleum Institute and make them feel really bad about themselves. You know, it's just going to be a one-off. Here are the people promoting climate disinformation in, in the middle of the most important election in American history. Um, and what we found out, actually, that the agency making them at the time was an agency in Austin, Texas. Um, and a little light bulb went off for me because, you know, I, I'm from here and I know that the kinds of people who work at a creative agency in Austin are probably young, they're probably progressive, their values probably do not align with ExxonMobil, which is the biggest supporter of the American Petroleum Institute. Um, so that was sort of like, huh. And then from there, you sort of extrapolate, well, that's probably also true in New York and London and Amsterdam and Istanbul and all the places that the creative industry tends to you know, center itself and thrive is full of people whose values aren't really are, are very interested aligned with climate action and not with polluters. Um, 
so that was kind of the origin point was like the realization that, you know, with that experience we talked about before about these creative campaigns being very effective and, and blunting climate action, maybe we could talk with people in the industry who are in all these places and see if they could, you know, if we could sort of diminish the creative pipeline um, that was going into supporting those campaigns. And then if we did, it would be a lot easier to do all the things that we want to do uh, in terms of, you know, passing ambitious climate legislation, getting a global agreement around fossil fuels, things like that. So that, that's really where it began was like sort of the realization that, you know, I, I think if you're a creative, if you're a communicator, there's a lot of empathy that's built into your skill set. You, you have to be able to identify with other people in order to communicate to them. And, um, you know, with that empathy comes a sort of aligned set of values. And those don't match up with the work that the fossil fuel companies are doing. That's I I, I love that, Duncan. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's extraordinary, isn't it? Creative people usually are quite quite empathetic. And you almost get the feeling I've encountered some people in mainstream advertising who are kind of sleepwalking through their creative briefs, <laughs> completely not engaging their moral selves because they just, hey guys, you know, it's just part of the job. I think it's extraordinary. The 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 you're sort of waking up the sector in that way is really refreshing. Recently, um, you've been shining a light on B Corp agencies that are still associated with associated with the fossil fuels, haven't you? Um, how's that latest piece of campaigning going? Yeah, so so what we found um, was that there's not that many B Corps that um, work with fossil fuels, but um, sort of last fall uh, when we were working on uh, what our annual report of all of the agencies that we know work with fossil fuel companies called the F List. Um, that uh, Havas Media was awarded Shell's largest communications contract, and that that would involve the work of um, at least two B Corp agencies in the Havas network. Um, and you look at Shell, uh, particularly in 2023, um, they are a company that is actively investing more in fossil fuel pollution and deciding to invest less in renewable energy solutions. That was the big takeaway from their annual meeting, their CEO is pledging to essentially go in the opposite direction of where every scientific authority says we need to go. And so you had these B Corps who were going to be put in the position of working to support uh, one of the most dangerous companies on earth, you know, one of the companies that is doing the most to um, move in the wrong direction on this vital issue. And that's just not a match with the core principles of B Corp. Like it just does not compute um, that that is something that would be acceptable. And I think a lot of other B Corps saw that not just as like a contradiction or something that's like, we don't agree with this, but something that was going to actively undermine the value of the brand that they had invested themselves in. Becoming a B Corp is hard. It mm. is a lot of work. Uh, and people take the community seriously as they should. It's a very high integrity organization. And what we found was that those other B Corp agencies in particular just didn't want to see their community and their brand diminished in that way. Um, so we helped them write a letter to B Corp um, and we had some good uh, conversations. Uh, and what B Corp told us was the way to resolve that was um, to submit a complaint about the agencies that were B Corps working with fossil fuel companies. And we found a few more in our research besides Havas. Um, so we submitted that complaint, and it's it's really not a campaign against B Corp. Like B Corp mm -hmm. is a, like I said, a high integrity organization. It's really a campaign about 
companies that are taking advantage of that certification, diminishing its value and diminishing the community that people have invested a huge amount into. Um, so I, I really, uh, you know, all of our conversations with people at B Corp have been really encouraging. We think they're going to take this seriously and giving it a very strong look. I don't know what they're going to decide. They have they have a very well-established process, but um, it's clear that they understand the risks and the impact that this is having on their brand. Um, and so our, our complaint was submitted in October, and it will probably be, be have their first kind of action around it in sometime in January. So I, I don't know if that's before or after when this will come out, but there'll probably be news sometime around when this is released. Great. Well, Duncan, uh, when you were talking and Steve was also making the remark that creatives were kind of sleepwalking during the briefs and uh, what you have said before and this, all of it uh, comes to a more core issue. So I'm going to lay it out for you and I really want to hear your thoughts on that. So we, what comes to mind is one is the alienation theory are we really alienated to the work as creatives that we do? And the other uh, sparking thought on my head is Hannah Arendt's uh, The Evil of Ordinary. So when we were thinking of all this together, can I ask a more uh, core question, more fundamental level, at a more fundamental level, do you think there are some hardwired inconsistencies or tensions between the fundamental mission of the world of marketing and advertising and achieving a sustainable future? Um, I think in some ways there, there definitely need to be structural adjustments in the way that agencies think about their growth goals and the way that brands um, position themselves, right? Like we're not going to have um, you know, as many disposable plastics in a safe climate future. We're not going to have um, large, you know, gas guzzling SUVs. Like some things are going to change. Um, but, you know, as we were talking about the fundamental purpose of creativity being around empathy, you know, there's a wonderful group, Purpose Disruptors, that did a study uh, where they're doing work called uh, the Good Life 2030 Project, which is helping people envision values and, and the good life that you would want uh, in a world with less carbon pollution. And a lot of those things are very fundamental to the stuff that um, people like about their life in the world. You know, a low carbon lifestyle means probably more time with your family, more time outside, more time um, connecting with community, uh, you know, going for nice walks. These are all low carbon activities that people, you know, if you ask them in, a, in the abstract, say are some of the most important things to them, the things they value highest. So I, I think there's a world in which creativity can tap into those values and figure out how to work as an industry to amplify those things and still make money, still be part of, um, you know, a thriving industry. But um, the sort of like uh, habit of just growth uh, every quarter probably needs to change to some degree. And there's going to have to be a deliberate shift. You know, if you're an agency where 30% of your revenue is coming from the fossil fuel industry, and those do exist, your agency is going to be smaller in the future because we cannot have that same amount of carbon pollution. Um, but if you're an agency that is focused on, uh, you know, more uh, service brands, uh, focus more on, um, you know, care industries or, um, you know, you know, there's lots of examples of what this could be, but 
there's a world in which you can also like thrive and you won't be impacted in the same way. So, you know, I, I think that they are, um, it will require some structural shifts um, where the industry as it's configured now is not compatible with a safe climate future, particularly the agencies that are deeply invested in fossil fuels. Um, but I don't think it's impossible. And I think the world in which you achieve it is one where a lot of people will be a lot happier. Um, and that's worth investing in in its own right. I couldn't agree more, Duncan. Uh, I'll, I'll do a little admission as well. Thankfully, I'm not out trying to raise investment at the moment in our agency. But um, but if if I were, this might put a hole in the strategy. But we've we stepped off the perpetual growth treadmill quite a few years ago. So we've been same number of people, roughly the same turnover, increasing a tiny bit each year, probably for about, oh, I think about eight or nine years now. Um, and I, I can't help but feel that that has to become a future model for certainly for mainstream advertising and marketing um, as we see fewer consumer brands. We, well, we won't have a planet to uh, do our work on if we continue to sell unsustainable lifestyles at the same pace we are at the moment. Um, anyway, enough ranting from me because we're supposed to be interviewing you. Um, I wondered, on off the back of Daniela's last question, your response there, and um, communications for good, which is the kind of work that Daniela and I do and, and that you know many people do um and from your perspective uh, looking at you know the bigger sector and who's doing what um so we've got our network in in europe called dns and we've got our sister network ATI in latin america is this and because you've worked in this space for quite some time duncan have you seen more agencies like ours popping up over the last few years have you seen our our sort of space of communications for good flourishing a bit more recently yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there was such a uh, huge impact on the industry through COVID and uh, the Black Lives Matter protests and the climate protests in 2019. There's been a period of very intense visibility of purpose and not just in a way that's like negative and kind of scolding people that, you know, work on less sustainable industries or or fossil fuels, but just kind of realization of like you go through these very shocking and, and transformative cultural moments and you just kind of ask like, what are we here for? Like, what mm -hmm. am I actually, what do I want my legacy to be? And I think the, the, that legacy question is impacting uh, big agencies. I think there's a reason that they're struggling to recruit and grow in the way they did. Um, and I think it's building a better, uh, happier place for smaller agencies. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely see that um, convergence um, impacting the industry in a lot of ways. Uh, and yeah, I, I we're, we're just in this moment of transformation. Like things are going to be different. We will have fewer fossil fuel consumption in the future. Will these big industries that we've grown up um, with are going to change? You know, I, like I said, I live in Texas. You know, if you, when you grow up in Texas, the idea of oil is oil is infinite wealth mm. and power. And that's just not true anymore. This is an industry that's going to shrink these traditional sources of, um, you know, not just cultural power, but political power and, and everything else are going to move. And that's a profound change that everybody's going to need to reckon with. And I think it could be a, a really nice change. I, I think it could be opening the door to people living much richer lives. But um, it is a transformation, and uh, I, I think you'll see that reflected in the creative industry. 
Well, it is going to happen. Uh, but I think the question is, uh, will we have enough time to see it? Uh, because as we record this, we have COP28 happening in Dubai, with a lot of the focus being on a commitment to phasing out fossil fuels. And a lot of uh, actually sadness and not hope also uh, goes along with the campaigns uh, at the moment. How close do you think we will get to an agreement on that? Um, I mean, a, a lot is in motion and, and in the balance right now. And, and I think... You know, the purpose of Clean Creatives, in part, is to provide some clarity and focus around the issue of sustainability, right? Like, sometimes I find I talk with people in the ad industry, and they they really care about the, you know, the climate and the future, but they kind of don't know where to start. Like, sustainability is a little bit about fast fashion, it's a little bit about plastics, it's a little bit about this and that, and, and all these things are true, but the core of the problem is the fossil fuel economy. 75% of carbon emissions that are driving climate change come from the fossil fuel industry, come from the energy sector. And so I think what's encouraging about the COP is that despite the fact that it is run by an oil CEO, which is an entirely corrupt and corrupting on the influence and power of the process uh, development, um, in a weird way, it's kind of backfired because we uh, it meant that people yeah. have talked more and more about the role of fossil fuels in the process, and it's made that the centerpiece of the question of legitimacy. Are like, are you going to take this issue seriously, or are you going to just be a product of this unbelievably corrupt exercise of influence of putting an oil industry CEO in charge of the process? So it is backfiring, and I think that clarity is something that will drive a lot of action. Um, you know, let's focus on the real source of the problem. It's fossil fuels. If we can solve this, it's so much easier to solve everything else. Um, that to me is encouraging. Um, I think the reality is that all change is nonlinear. Um, so it'll feel like we're losing until it feels like we've already won. Uh, and, you know, perhaps we'll see that. And, you know, the only thing to do is keep fighting for it. Like whether or not you think it's going to happen or not, uh, Giving up is not an option, <laughs> so we got to keep going. We're gonna, we're gonna keep going. So, a final question because we're in the last two minutes time frame. Uh, our network is ironically called "Do Not Smile" because we need to make sustainability a subject that brings happiness into the world. What object, place, or person always make you smile? Uh, you know, I, you're going to see my photo uh, in in the preview for this, but I, I really. Uh, enjoy I, when I think about going my trips to the Grand Canyon. Um, it, it's the kind of thing that I am just so grateful for, and and is really meaningful to me because you know you go to this place that is truly unique on the face of the earth. There is nothing like it anywhere else. And the advice I always give people is like, if you have a chance to go to the Grand Canyon, you have to go as soon as you can because you don't know when life or politics or anything is going to intervene to make it impossible. And it's a truly unique place. And, you know, you travel through it and you go, you know, through these different layers of time and you get to the bottom and it feels like you're in, you are in a prehistoric landscape. You are in this thing that uh, represents billions of years of time and you get a sense of your own tiny purpose. And uh, I, I find that very humbling and centering and, and drives a lot of my thinking. So uh, you know, get into nature, go feel small. It'll make everything better. 
Well, that's wonderful, Duncan. Thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll we'll head on out to the Grand Canyon. We'll need some sustainable aviation fuel to get there, but but uh, <laughs> we'll take make sure we do. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Duncan. It's been really great talking to you, and uh, and thank you for spending some time with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. Well, uh, Damla, I think that was a brilliant conversation and we're going to keep on fighting. Um, Apart from anything else, I've got words like optimistic, honesty and empathy just bubbling around in my head as a result of talking to Duncan. Yeah. And also, it's great to see that we are not alone and we're fighting this together. So we are all together. One final word then. So thanks to everyone who has listened to our Good Guys podcast brought to you by the Do Not Smile Network of Agencies. And make sure you listen to future episodes where we'll be talking to more amazing people like Duncan about how we can work together to create a more sustainable future. See you, Damla. See you, Steve. Bye, Duncan. Bye, all. Good Geist. A podcast series on sustainability. Hosted by Damla Özluer and Steve Connor. Brought to you by the DNS Network. Thank you.